Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. We are so glad to have college students back. College students are an integral part of our church, and we are a discipleship church, which means we desire, as we have learned from Jesus, to give that away. And college students, if you don't receive from people who have gone before you, uh, you, you're missing something in your life. And your walk with Jesus will be hindered when you don't have people who have been following Jesus for years, for decades, pouring back into you. And those who are older and been following Jesus for a long time, college students have a lot of energy, a lot of zeal, and they don't know it, but they actually have a lot of time, and a lot of time on their hands. And so they, there's a lot we can learn from them and their zeal and their passion to follow Jesus and uh, to go share the gospel, be evangelistic on campus. Uh, they're, they're doing incredible things. So I encourage you as a church to get to know each other. So today I'm going to talk about the Jesus way. I'm going to connect that from our discipleship series, what we went over in the summer with the family series, and what we'll be going into for the rest of the fall. Normally, I would like to give some book recommendations, but I have been uh, lovingly corrected by my wife and a few friends for recommending books that I myself have not read. Uh, I've read the table of contents, they said it's good, and I typically go off their word. So I don't have any books for you this morning because I was going to try to read them, just didn't happen. Um, But if I were to happen theoretically read some books, I might recommend two books. One, (laughs) A a Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. I'm a third of the way through it. I started about two years ago, but it's it's really good. Uh, But Grace finished it, and she loved it. Uh, And Steve gave me the book, so I actually have two copies of them. And then the second book is a book I've perused while getting ready for this sermon and a few other sermons called Streams of Living Water uh, by Richard Foster, and Carly Mayo read that. Uh, I'll finish it at some point. I've had it for also about a year. But if I were to recommend those books and theoretically read them, there you go. You should uh, also read them with me and along with me. So why the Jesus way? Why, Why talk about this before we get into our next series of Developed? The early church, when Jesus started the church, the Holy Spirit's poured out in Acts 2, and the church begins, the the people around them have to call them by something, and they don't call them the church, and they don't call them disciples, and they don't call them Christians. Do you know what the people around them and what they call themselves? The way. And so I have a story about the way, a modern story, and about heaven invading earth. To give you a picture about what the church is meant to be. So I was, in, I was in college, went to Texas A&M University, and I was a part of an Antioch church plant there. And we had a worker from overseas come and speak on a Sunday morning. And it blew me away. Uh, just the beginning, he was in tears talking about what it means to be part of the family of God. And then he shared the story of the people he's ministering to. They are in a region that's overrun by ISIS. And they're smart, they start small house churches of teaching each other how to follow Jesus. And in those villages, ISIS had been going around village by village, finding Christians and killing them. And so this village, full of believers, were praying to seek God on what to do. Do they leave? Do you stay? Do you fight back? Like, what, what do you do? If you know you have people, your enemy, coming towards you, how do you respond? And then at night, they saw a fire lit pretty far away, and they pretty sure that was an ISIS camp of ISIS soldiers moving through. 
So they prayed and asked the Lord, and they were seeking him, like, Father, what should we do? They were, they were, they were, ter- they were terrified. They were afraid. And in the room, as they were gathered, they heard the Father say, go make them dinner and bring it to them. And they checked in the room to see if what they were hearing was accurate. And they made dinner, and they got a little flag to signal that they were coming not in uh, offensive, but at, at peace. And they walked out to the camp. And as they approached the camp, typically if you're soldiers and you see someone moving towards you, it's probably not a good thing. So they immediately grabbed their guns and aimed at them, but were hesitant to pull a trigger because they were out of food. And they, at first, were wondering if this was some sort of caravan that ISIS had sent out to bring food to them. So as they see the food, they get really excited, they start eating together, and the probably tension around the fire, figuring out who these people were. They actually weren't from ISIS. They were from the village they were about to go to. And this village, these people that were bringing them dinner, shared the good news of Jesus with them and why they followed Jesus and who he was to them. And in the fire, as, as they were silent listening to this, the, one of the guys had a response. And he said, you're telling me that Jesus forgives sin, and that he, he forgives every sin, but can he forgive me? Just yesterday, I killed hundreds of Christians. Like, I, t- I took their life. Does, can he forgive me of that? And joyfully, they said, yes, because what Jesus came to do, he came to seek and save the lost and to forgive sinners. And they all give life to Jesus. They burned their camp down, acting like it was destroyed <laughs> by someone else. And then they join that community in that house church. So it happens when heaven invades earth and when the people of God are following in the ways of God. When they listen to their father and they say, because I love you and because I love the person in front of me, even if it's my enemy, I will obey you and I will love them. And that's changing the world. The early church was known for the way and I know what Jesus is doing in his church today is recovering that that we would be known not just for our truth, and that's absolutely clear, we need to be known for our truth, but that we be known for his ways. When they look at us, they can say, you look like the one that you preach. The one that you teach, the one that you say, I've encountered him by knowing you. And then we can truly be Christians, which is little Christs. They got that name for being mocked, and that's only in the Bible twice. Uh, Disciples in there 270 times, so it's a in case you want to know what you're meant to be. Uh, you are a disciple of Jesus. As you start looking like him, you're a little Christ. So we're talking about the way today. That house church uh, in that country was following in the ways of Jesus, and that transformed the people around them. And Jesus said in John 13, they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love. When you love one another, they will know those members of ISIS got to know who Jesus was and who his disciples were by the way that they loved. All right, I'm going to give you my main points immediately and flush them out over the next 30 minutes. Uh, sorry, uh, people on the slides, uh, you to scroll to the bottom. So the first point, <laughs> the Jesus way, it's to be faithful to the Father with, for the fullness, wholeness of your life with the fullness of your life to be faithful to the Father for the entirety of your life 
with everything in your life. So how do you do that? So our second point, if you do not have the Jesus truth, you are incapable of knowing the Jesus way, and you will not have the Jesus life. But if you have the Jesus truth, but you do not have the Jesus way, you will never experience the Jesus life. Truth, just the truth of Jesus, absent of following and obeying him and walking in his ways, you will not experience life. Only when you are walking in the Jesus way with the Jesus truth will you experience the Jesus life and have it in this life. And the good news of of Jesus, the good news of his ways and his truth and his life, that it integrates into the entirety of your life. If his life is not compatible with your work, with your relationships, with your nine to five, it's not his ways. His ways invade your life and transform the entirety of your life for the wholeness of your life. And we're going to look at that today through a story. But I'm going to connect. Uh, we've been going through our discipleship cycle. We have, I won't go through the entire thing right now, but over the spring we covered disciplines, disciplines of following Jesus. What are practical ways to follow him? And then over the summer we went through a family series. If the, if the practices of learning how to follow Jesus doesn't change how we do relationships, we're missing his heart and we're missing his purpose. So over the summer, we talked about relationships and family, how we are meant to be family, uh, how to love one another, and what it, if you want to look at that series, all of it, everything's online, and then we're going to talk about developed. As we get developed in our, the ways of Jesus, how are we supposed to live, and what does that look like flowing out of our lives? All of this, though, is about his ways, following in his ways, and being a part of his kingdom, walking with him, and so this is why today we're going to talk about the Jesus way. And my main question for you, for you to answer, is what hinders us from the Jesus way? What is the main hindrances to us following Jesus? So Jesus is walking to Jerusalem. He is on his way. It will be his last time with his disciples and preaching to the crowds before he goes to the cross. And when he gets there, he gives his final sermon to everyone, to the crowds, And then he goes alone to be with his disciples. But before he goes alone to be with his disciples, he knows, he knows something. One of his closest friends, who's been with him from the beginning of his ministry, is going to betray him. He knows that this man is going to willingly give him up just for some money. But he also knows that he had come from God. He knew that he was going back to the Father. He knew that once he died, that he would also rise again. And he knew that what he would do would change eternity. So Jesus gathers his, his disciples together, and they start having dinner, supper, celebrating the Passover. And while they're doing that, it's, it's normal in that custom to wash each other's feet. But the one that would wash everyone's feet is the servant, the one that's of the lowest stature, so during, during supper, Jesus is at the seat of honor at the highest place of the table, and he gets up, and he takes off his outer garment, and he puts on a towel. And immediately, all the disciples would have been stunned, because they would have known exactly what he's about to do, and none of them were willing to do it, but he was going to start washing their feet. Feet that had been walking all day in a dirty city that 
roads are pretty disgusting back then with animals that had a fecal matter on the ground and stuff like that. Uh, pretty disgusting feet, disgusting environment. And Jesus gets a bowl of water and starts washing their feet. And not a single one stands up to try taking his place. As the one who is in the highest seat of honor, the one they call Lord and Teacher, not one of them tries saying, whoa, whoa, wait, Jesus, you're, you're actually not meant to do this. Let, let, me, let me wash the rest of everyone's feet. But there was one, at least one, before his feet got washed, was like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, before you do that, whoa, whoa, um, that's not supposed to happen. You, you're not supposed to wash my feet. Like, if anything, I'm supposed to wash your feet. But Jesus says, no, if, if you don't let me wash your feet, uh, you don't have a part with me. And he's like, okay, give me a whole bath. I'm like, I'm here. Just dunk me. And he's like, okay, you're too eager. Uh, I just need to wash your feet. It's okay. It's fine. And then he washes his feet, their feet, and he sits back down at the seat of honor. And then he says, you don't understand what I just did for you. You don't have full understanding. You call me teacher and Lord. And you're correct. That's who I am. I am, I am your Lord and I am your teacher. And the, master, the servant isn't greater than the master, so if the master is doing this, then you have to do likewise. As I have done, you should also do. And then he gives a statement. He says, blessed are you when you hear my words and you do them. You're blessed when you not just hear the words of Jesus, but when you hear his words and obey. Throughout that night, the next, the next uh, scene that we have is he teaches them on the Lord's Supper, which we'll take today. And speaking of which, if you do not have communion, so sorry, this is the very beginning, so middle of the story, apologize. If you do not have a communion cup, can you raise your hand and someone will get that to you? Great. All right. So he talks about communion, which we'll take today. And he says, this is my, he takes bread and he says, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he breaks the bread, and they partake. And then he says, this is, this is the cup of my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. And he gives it to all of them. And the craziest thing is that the man that he knew would betray him was still in that room. The man that he knew was going to betray him, he had washed his feet. And the man that he knew would betray him, he had given the supper to. He took part of communion. He took part of the bread and the wine. And then Jesus looks to him and says, go and do what you're wanting to do. The only person in the room that could have stopped that man from going out and betraying him was Jesus. But Jesus willingly let him leave knowing what exactly he was going to do because Jesus loved the Father and knew that it was the Father's will for him to be betrayed, for him to be tortured, for him to die for us and then to rise again. One who had authority to stop it, let it happen. That's crazy. Jesus, his words, what he said when he said, love your enemy, Bless those who persecute you. He didn't just say it, he lived it out. We see that in the life of Jesus. And this story of the last, his last night with his apostles, with his disciples, gives a picture into the Jesus way because it is his way. It is how he lived. 
So we're going to read this story. Uh, we're going to have it on the screen. I'm going to have everyone stand to help you engage. We're going to start in chapter 12. Uh, Carling, you might want to turn me down with touch. I might get loud. We're going to start in chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out, and he said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore I say, as the Father has told me. This concludes his last, what we know is teaching to the crowds. And as, if you've read scripture and read the gospels, as Jesus teaches, he usually shares something with the crowds and then goes away to be with his disciples and explains in depth what, what that meant. So throughout the rest of 13 and 14, really to 17, we see what Jesus is meaning when he says, I'm a light coming into the world, I've come to save the world. He starts explaining it. All right, so John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Simon zealously said to Jesus, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has, has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For Jesus knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. And we had washed their feet and put his outer garments and resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're, you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you. If you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. We're going to skip down to verse 31. Sorry, slide, guys. When, when, he had, when Judas had gone out, so Jesus already said, you're going to betray me? Go, leave. And it's crazy. The disciples had no clue. They were like, oh, maybe he's going to, he's, he has all the money. Maybe he's going to go give it to the poor. Or maybe he's like buying us more food. You know, like, that's a, what a nice guy. Incredible. But he's such a good dude, you know. They had no clue. It's 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Um, sorry. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter opened his mouth again, said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. But let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas asked the, room, asked the question everyone was thinking in the room, Lord, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So Philip asked another really good question. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I, not, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I'm almost there. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. 
In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, because that guy left to betray him, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest or reveal yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it's the Father's who sent me. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'll come again. Come to you again. And if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Sit, let us continue on. <laughs> okay. All right, there's a lot of scripture in that. The narrative continues from chapter 15 through 17, and I would encourage all of you to study John 13 through 17. It's really rich with Jesus' teaching on how to follow in his ways. So I'm going to briefly cover some of the truth and the way in life of Jesus and things that hinder us from following and knowing, knowing them. The word believe in the Greek just means to put your trust in. His words are trustworthy. And he says, what I'm telling you now is so that you will have trust in me. I told you now I'm going to be betrayed. I told you now I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to rise again. I'm telling you now so when you see it happen, you can have faith and you can trust that my words are true. You can trust in me because he is the truth. What he says is true. It's worthy of you placing your trust in. It's worthy of you following. They are, they are, they're corresponding to reality. His words shape and change our reality because they're true and they're real and they're good. That's not my focus. He's also the life. He said, because I live, you live. And he didn't just mean right then in that moment. He said, he meant that after I die and rise again because I have defeated death. If you are desiring to find life, you can't find it outside of me. I am the life because I am the one that conquered death. I am the life because I'm the one that conquered sin, shame, the devil, death. I conquered it all. And I have resurrected victorious life. And if you desire to experience that life, you can't find it outside of me. You have to come to me. But if you want that life, you have to follow in his ways. So we're going to look at what Jesus, the, the words of Jesus and how he followed in the ways of the Father. So the first point of the Jesus way is that Jesus' knowing led to his obeying. As Jesus knew, says he knew who he was, he knew where he was going, he, he knew the words of the Father. 
He only spoke what he heard the Father speaking. He only did what the Father was doing. And he says, because the Father dwells in me, and I'm with the Father, I do his works. Our knowing leads to our obeying. Our greatest place of knowing is knowing what God's heart is and what his desire is. That house church got to know who, who, what God's desire was, what the Father wanted to do, because they were listening and because they had the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we do not know how to hear God and how to follow and obey him. That's why Jesus emphasizes so much the Holy Spirit in that latter half. But we also see something different, that Jesus' knowing leads to his obeying because of his love for the Father and his love for us. That his love is what, got, what guided his knowing to obeying. It was a foundation out of a flow of, of love. So what I want to give as a proposition to you is that your number one hindrance in following in the ways of Jesus is not your knowledge or truth. It's your love. Love will hinder you from following the ways of Jesus more than anything else in your life. If you love yourself and love your own, love your own desires and what you, what you are desiring, you'll miss, above the ways of Jesus, above Jesus himself, you will miss his ways and you'll miss his life. If you love the things of this world more than Jesus, you will miss his ways. You'll feel like they're fruitless. You might actually get frustrated trying to do more in order to love him more, where it's flipped. If you want to obey Jesus, repent of your loves and, start, and repent and submit to him and love him with your heart, and then you'll obey him. That's the promise he says. In 14:15. he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will obey me. If, it's, it's a place of first love. You need knowledge but you also need Jesus' love. So another way of putting that, if you do not have the Jesus love, you will not be able to walk in the Jesus way. But if you have the Jesus love, you will. It's 100% guarantee that you will walk in the Jesus way. It's a promise. So like I said, Jesus also spoke what he heard the Father speaking. He did what the Father was doing. And he gives this word, uh, he says, he, if you dwell with him, you will do his works. So he dwells with the Father, and he did the works of the Father. That word dwell is the same word for abide, it's the same word for home. When you're at home with the Father, when you are in a place of, of love where you feel like you have deep relationship with the Father, you will do greater works than Jesus. That might sound heretical, but it's his words, not mine. You will do greater works. And that's not just super miraculous signs and wonders. Those greater works are going and giving dinner to your enemy. Those greater works are loving the person in front of you. The, the greater works is when someone wrongs you or, you know, or you've been betrayed by someone that you already have forgiveness and love and compassion stored up in their, your heart towards them. The greater works is when the, the core of your being, the depths of who you are, is transformed to reflect his love and his ways. And those are the works that the Father is wanting to do throughout the body of Christ into the world because, he says in John 14, I do as the Father commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he says for us, when you love, as you love one another, when you love, the world will know that you are my disciples. 
He wants to do the greater works in us and through us so that the world can know him, so the world can know how good he is, so the world can know of his, of his death and resurrection and life that he brings, the forgiveness of our sins, that the world can know truth and celebrate in that truth and walk in, the, in those ways and experience life in this life. Yes, for eternity, but also experience eternal life today. Later on in John 16, 3, we don't have it up there, Jesus said, or 17, 3, he said, this is eternal life, that you know me and the Father who sent me. That eternal life is knowing Jesus, and that's what he is desiring to do in us and through us. So in order to have the Jesus way, we need to have the Jesus love, and the way we get that is through repentance. So we're going to take communion. Uh, band, y'all can come up here. There's a lot more that I'd like to unpack in the scriptures, but I just encourage y'all to read it on your own. Um, there's, there's so much depth in what Jesus is teaching us about his way, his truth, and his life. But I just want to focus on one thing, and that's our loves. So we're going to take communion together. Uh, and before we do that, I want to give a time of reflection so we actually can change the lights to worship and also everyone can stand. We see in the Jesus way him loving his enemy and loving him as a friend and treating him like a friend. Not as an enemy, but as one who had been with him, even though he's going to betray him and be with him for years, he loved him. So before you, take, before you take communion, the first response is if you have anything against anyone, if you know a brother or sister has something against you, or if you know of anything you have against a brother and sister, and that could be someone in this room, I want you to go and reconcile before taking communion. And we'll give time for that. Because even if we're betrayed by the ones closest to us, which is the, one, is the things that hurt the most, those who we've loved and entrusted our lives with, trusted our hearts with, when that, when that gets wounded, that hurts, and that feeling is real. But the way of Jesus and the truth of Jesus says, in spite of that, even when a close friend has made themselves an enemy to you, my ways is to love and forgive them. It's not to put yourself in a place of harm or position again, but it is to, to have forgiveness in your heart and to love them. And the way we do that is by listening to the Father. He said he'd give us the spirit of truth to bring to remembrance all that he taught and to lead us into truth. That we can, as we trust the Holy Spirit, we need Jesus' spirit to walk in the Jesus way. As we trust in the Holy Spirit to unearth things in our heart that we have against others, that we respond to obedience by, by repentance. So that's the first thing. I'm going to give you all some time to do that. And if you do it in the room, that's fine. Um, if it feels uncomfortable, that's okay. The Jesus way isn't necessarily a comfortable way, but it's the way to life. Second thing, the Holy Spirit searches our hearts and convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything, any loves in your heart that are hindering you from loving Jesus. The greatest hindrance in your life of following in his way and experiencing his life is your loves. Disordered love will wreck our life, but rightly ordered love will bring us fullness of life, bring us his eternal life. So why don't you ask the Lord, have a time of quiet, 
ask the Lord if there's any loves in your heart that you need to lay down to love him. To search your heart, search your mind. If there's any offensive way in you that he would lead you into the way of everlasting by repenting of those loves. And it's really simple. If something's come up to repent, Jesus, I give this to you. I repent for loving this more than you. And I would encourage you to, to prophesy, to, to speak words of faith. I, I will love you with my whole heart. I will love you with my whole mind. I will love you with uh, my whole strength. Because that's what the way of Jesus is. It's faithfulness to the Father for the wholeness of our life with the fullness of our life, with the fullness of your heart. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to sit and just wait a few minutes. And then I'll, t- I'll lead us through the elements of communion together, and then we're going to worship. Jesus, we thank you for your ways. We thank you, Jesus, that you showed us how to love, how to love the Father, how to love our friends, how to love our neighbors, how to love our enemies. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to reveal truth, that you came to bring us life. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit, that you've given us your spirit, that we can know you and walk with you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask for you to convict our hearts. You have disordered love. Would you convict our hearts of jealousy, of selfish ambition, of unforgiveness, places of unrepentance? Would you convict our hearts? Would you lead us into the way of everlasting?
on the night that Jesus was betrayed with his betrayer in his midst. He took bread and he broke it. He said, this, this bread is my body that I am breaking for you. And whenever you do this, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. You also say, remember, remember my ways. So we take the bread in remembrance of the ways of Jesus, of him, his body on the cross, breaking for us, that his life, that we would receive his life and have his life in us. You take the bread. took a cup of wine and said, this is my blood that I'm spilling for you. I'm making a covenant, making a promise with you. And we do this in remembrance that his, his blood was shed and poured out on our behalf. Of his faithfulness to the Father, because he loved the Father, because he loved us, that he went to the cross and he died and rose again. Take the not wine with it together. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you that because you first loved us, that we are able to love. That we love you when we encounter your love. Jesus, I ask for every person in the room to have a revelation of your love and of your truth, of your goodness. And I ask that as a church, as a congregation, that we would be a people that are known for the way. We are known for walking in the ways of Jesus. We're known for walking in your resurrection life. We thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us alone. We thank you for your spirit. We ask to be people filled with your spirit, who walk in the fullness of your spirit. Jesus, would you pour your spirit upon us afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you love him, you will obey his commandments. Uh, life group leaders and prayer team, can you all come up to the front? We're going to respond also in worship. If you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for healing, physically, mentally, emotionally, if you need wholeness, if you need to confess sin, uh, scripture says to confess your sins to one another and receive prayer that you may be healed. So if you have sin to confess, I would, I would encourage you to come up and receive prayer. If you need anything at all, if the Lord's doing anything in your life, whoop, my bad, if the Lord's doing anything in your life, anything in your heart right now, I would encourage you to share that with someone and have them pray for you. Uh, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified. So we're going to, uh, that's how we're going to respond this morning. Everyone can stand.